can grab a seat. Um, June has been uh, quite the exciting month for uh, for Reachway Church. Actually, we've we've had the opportunity to serve in a few different ways as a church. Um, about uh, three weeks ago, we were able to actually host our first wedding here, uh, which was really exciting, and uh, that that was a fun day. We um, were also able to. Uh, serve a family actually this last weekend as they uh, remember a loved one um, that has passed away. Um, we were also able to provide uh, some food for a family that um, was uh, that experienced a surgery in the household, kind of helped them through this next series uh, of steps in life. We were also able to provide food for um, a, a home, uh, a family in our neighborhood here. And this is all in just one month. And, and the reason that I really bring any of that up is, I guess, for a few things to say, we're able to be part of some really, um, re- really meaningful things, um, which is fun to be a part of a church that's able to be part of something meaningful, but also uh, to thank those that have been giving financially over the last month, of course, but over the last uh, months and, and years as well. Um, we, we often want to circle back and um, of course, thank those who, who give financially, but hope that you are also um, reaping kind of the, the benefits and the fruit that is your discipleship in the act of giving. Um, your, your gifts are going a long way for certain in the lives of others, but my hope and, and my prayer is that they're also going a long way for how you're getting to know God more and how you're getting to realize and um, work through some of those things of of being more like him and, and living beyond, uh, beyond ourselves. So thank you for those that have been giving, of course, this month and indefinitely. It's, it's going to, to good and meaningful things. Um, but we are, of course, continuing on with our series in the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be in chapter 6 today. There are Bibles, if you don't have your own uh, way to read the Scriptures, on your table. Uh, also, we have uh, pieces of paper on your table that have the page number of Mark chapter 6 if you're going to be using one of those uh, Bibles. I think it's 1,564, if I'm not mistaken. I typed it a few days ago. But um, if, if you would turn with me to Mark chapter 6, I'm going to turn there myself. There are three different independent accounts that make up Mark chapter 6. And what we've been doing, uh, depending on the week and depending on the theme that we want to focus in on, is, is we've taken either one section or we've taken a larger section of Scripture. Uh, today, we're just going to be taking one of these three, but I do want to highlight all three of them. Uh, one of them begins at verse 7, Mark chapter 6, verse 7 through 13. We read Jesus um, sending out 12 disciples for ministry. And one of the interesting things that's happening here in verse 11 is that he's preparing them. Of course, he's sending them out for ministry, but he's also preparing them for the opportunity, or not even the opportunity, but the chance that they will not be received. He gives them this this phrase. He gives them this idea that if you are not welcomed in a place, that you are to shake the dust off your sandals and, and move on to a place that will receive you. Um, If we jump then to verse 14 through 29, there's another story there, and it's a story 
of the eventual murder of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, we've talked about here at Reachway before, was the person who essentially heralded in or announced in the ministry of Jesus. He was one that was sent out into the wilderness to baptize with water, but he was preparing the way for the one, the Messiah, who, as we read, would baptize with the Holy Spirit. And it was in part his association with Jesus that got him killed and uh, by the hands of Herod, but really through the request of a, uh, of a guest at a dinner party that Herod was throwing, kind of an interesting way to hold a dinner party. Um, but uh, nonetheless, we read two accounts there, verses 7 through 13 and 14 through 29, of different implications of what it means to be associated with Jesus. And that's the phrase I want to give us this morning. And verses 1 through 6 is no different. And that's what we're going to be focusing in on today. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. The the story that we're about to read is Jesus returning to his hometown. And uh, I'd like to actually read this for us as as we begin our time in this particular section. It says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Listen to these questions that, he, that, that they ask. Where did this man get these things? What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remark, remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Listen to this. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus returned to his hometown of Nazareth remarkably different than when he left it. He left, as we read, as a carpenter, son of Mary and Joseph, brother of a couple of people and, and of a couple of different sisters. He returns as a rabbi with disciples. <laughs> he returns as someone who has 12 people following him and drinking in every word that he speaks. He returns different than he left. Confusion sets in. And listen to this progression. Confusion becomes skepticism. Skepticism becomes offense towards someone that they brought up. This is Nazareth grown, Nazareth raised. And now they are offended by him. Listen to these questions. Where did? What's this? What are? Isn't that? Isn't this? But what Jesus is experiencing I think, and I have found, is true for us at times today. 
Some of the more severe critics in our lives are the ones that are closest to us or the ones that we have known for the longest time. Being familiar with something sometimes breeds mistaken concepts. This is something that Jesus is experiencing firsthand. Of course, we are reading about it, but perhaps you could resonate with that yourself, is that uh, perhaps in your life, whether uh, current or perhaps some time in your past, maybe you found that you were receiving perhaps the most criticism or skepticism towards you from those that knew you the longest, from those closest friends, from those closest relatives. Maybe you resonate with Jesus this morning. Maybe you find yourself in the story of Jesus. This reaction of his hometown did not end with just their reaction. It was a far more significant issue for them. And this is what's happening is that they did not provide an atmosphere for Jesus to move and to work. And we read about this in verses 5 and 6, where he was so amazed at their lack of faith that we read he was only to heal a few people. That's the only thing that he was able to do. That was the only thing that he was given permission and space to do. And that's what I want us to see, is that there was such an oppressive atmosphere in Nazareth because of how they treated Jesus' reputation, now returning from where he grew up, that there was not an atmosphere where Jesus' spirit could move and to work. This is why when we pray to, to lead off our gatherings here, that we ask that the spirit would move among us, asking that there would be an atmosphere here in this room where two or more gather together, asking Christ to be present, that there would be an atmosphere where he could move and work among us. This is not what happened at Nazareth this day. If you were here last week, we talked about the importance of faith. We talked about how there's this connection of faith and proximity to Jesus' healing. And once again, we read about their lack of faith. So that same, thing follow, that, that same theme from last week follows us uh, this morning. But this is where I'd like to, to stop for a moment. I want to leave some room for us to discuss, of course, what we've read and, and talked briefly about this morning. So there are uh, pieces of paper with questions on them for you to um, discuss amongst your tables together. A few of them get uh, a little bit personal, and once again, we want to be sure that, that we all are un, under the same understanding that this is a safe place and um, that we, we would hope that no one would receive or experience judgment here. That's, of course, our goal as, as Christians. Um, but know that this is a safe place for you to share. Of course, don't feel like you have to share anything. You're not uh, comfortable with sharing. But I'd like to read these four questions real quick, provide some context to them before we have our time of discussion. The first one is, what kind of role does reputation play in your life? In general, how much stock do you put into the concept of, the idea of reputation, whether it's your reputation, others' reputation, reputation of perhaps organizations or businesses, things like that? How much does that matter to you? Question two, if you could share a time when someone you knew 
experienced a dramatic season of positive change and positive growth because of what God did in their life. Jesus had an incredible thing done to him. We, we read leading up to this return to Nazareth that he was led into the wilderness. He, he resisted temptation. He was baptized. The Holy Spirit descended upon him. We read of a Jesus returning to his hometown changed by God. Of course, he wasn't received well, but maybe um, you can witness to a time where you knew someone and God did something dramatic in their life. Let us witness to that because we do believe God is changing lives. So if there's something you can share with the group, please, please do so. Uh, question three requires some honesty. We have a scale of one to 10, bit of a creative question. It's a chance to get vulnerable and you know, all, all cards on the table. On a scale of one to 10, one being generally skeptical of new and changed people and things, and 10, being generally expectant and embracing of new and changed people and things. What number are you right now? Um, feel free to answer that question. Kick it around a little bit. And our fourth question, what are some things that we, when we say we here, take two different perspectives, both as individuals, yourselves, and as the church, as Reachway, as a collected body, what can we do to prepare an atmosphere for Jesus to move and work? Get creative there as well. What is required of us as individuals and as a church to prepare an atmosphere for Jesus to move and to work? Uh, it's about 10.35. We'll come back together a little after 10.45. I'll let you know when we have a few minutes left of our discussion. So let's go ahead and dive in. Hopefully you, uh, you had some meaningful discussion. I, I, love hearing the, I love hearing the buzz, so thank you for being open to, open to talking together. Um, I, I do want to tie things together with, of course, saying what we believe. One of the primary means of the gospel, of, of the good news of Jesus Christ, is that things can be made new. And, and I hope that you saw that as uh, perhaps if someone got a chance to share a story of someone that, uh, whose life was just positively impacted by a work of God in their life. Uh, it's one of the things that we hold very high when we're talking about the gospel and the power of the resurrection is that things can be made new because we believe when we see this from the first page of our Bibles to the very last is that God desires things like restoration, growth, reconciliation, and healing. We see story after story, account after account, and promise after promise that things will be made new. Now, we hold that up against this idea of emotional and relational baggage <laughs> that seems at times to weigh us down and make us resistant to changes and reputations. It's a very real thing, and I, I, don't know, I don't know where your independent conversations went, but I can think back on um, times where, yeah, absolutely, I have seen someone uh, perhaps after being baptized uh, choosing to follow Christ, and I, you know, you, you know the details of their lives, you know the details of their stories before, 
and now there's this change, and it's just, yeah, sometimes we question it, right? It's just call a spade a spade. That's, that's sometimes how we respond because we carry into that assessment, well, I've been hurt by that person, or I, I thought this person was this, and now they're this? I, I thought they believed this, now they're believing that, and we carry in what we have with us, and we use that to help shape kind of our response. Something that humbled me as I was preparing for our time together is that we have to remember that if God can restore our past, he can restore someone else's. <laughs> and that, it's a very simple thing to say. It, it carries logic with it, but it really hits you hard when I can wake up and I can have the assurance of salvation and I can wake up and I can believe that, that God is actively making my life new by his Holy Spirit. And then somehow I have the audacity to think that it can't happen for someone else. Um, it, it really, really checks you. It really checks you. Um, but I want to talk about what we can learn from the response of those in Jesus' hometown um, that also needs to challenge us as we consider our role in preparing and maintaining an atmosphere for Jesus to be welcome, to move, and to work. And, and hopefully we can learn from this account um, the primary desire, we've, caught, we've of course talked about God's desire for restoration and growth. Our primary desire as those who follow Jesus should be to welcome work and movement towards the restoration of us becoming more like Christ and kingdom activity in the world around us. Kind of two things. Those should be those should be big desires for us, is believing that we are becoming more and more like Christ and believing that his kingdom is being done on earth as it is in heaven, increasingly so. I'd like us to, to remember that the atmosphere that we create among us matters. And it's a very intentionally worded statement. I, I believe that we have a major role in creating the atmosphere among us. I, I really do. And the atmosphere that we create matters. I, I'd like to share a quote from a theologian who has, has passed away, but his name's William Barclay. We've read stuff from him before. He has a, a commentary on the Gospel of Mark. And, and this is what he says as he provides commentary to the response of those in Nazareth. He says, in an atmosphere of expectancy... The poorest effort can catch fire. That's what he's saying about atmosphere. In an atmosphere of expectancy, the smallest gift, the, the poorest effort, the thing that barely got off the assembly line can catch fire. In an atmosphere of critical coldness or bland indifference, the most spirit-packed utterance can fall lifeless to the earth. Now, this is, of course, a thought that William Barclay has when he is considering the response of Nazareth, but that must challenge us as well 
as, as people who come together wanting Jesus to do something. I think we want Jesus to do something. Barclay talks about this atmosphere that, that the people of God create amongst themselves. An atmosphere that expects, that embraces change and, and growth just a little bit. Just a little bit can catch fire. The opposite, what Barclay calls coldness and indifference. Something that can just be packed with the Spirit, whether it's an initiative, a word, an encouragement, anything, it can fall lifeless to the earth. It's because of the atmosphere that's created around it. There can be no healing in an atmosphere that does not desire it. There can be no growth in an atmosphere that does not desire it. There can be no peacemaking in an atmosphere that does not desire it. And you can take that interchange and take it wherever you want to go. Something can't happen if it's not desired for. Um, we, we read this, the relationship between faith and healing. If it's not desired for, if it's not even believed that there is a possibility that something can happen, can't happen. And, and this has been just an incredible challenge to me, um, just, to, just to show my cards. Um, I've had to do some unlearning and relearning, even as someone, and, and Ty could attest to this, someone who's been journeying with me, um, as, as I was being tra trained and prepared to uh, lead a church plant, and here we are, and we're about 10 months in, 11 months in, and um, and a church has been planted somehow. <laughs> um, just to, just something that I've had to work through, not even this last week, but for a while is generally when I, when I went in and out of trainings to plant a church, it was very prescriptive. And this is what I mean by that is, is that somehow perhaps if, if we could get enough people in a room and do X, Y, and Z community outreach events and send a mailer to everyone in the neighborhood and get everyone to invite 10 that maybe they'll invite one more. And it was this formula. And as I was going in and out of trainings, I was given formulas. And then, and then hopefully we would expect that God would move among our very tight structure. <laughs> which is a difficult ask. And Ty could tell you, and, I, and I'm being honest, I, I wasn't compelled by a lot of that stuff. I, I, I went in with some bearings, you know, I, I went in with convictions already. And I, of course, I'm open to new things, but I had my convictions. Just what I read about the kingdom of God and mustard seeds and yeast and patience anyways. Um, what I have since learned and, and what I want us to know as well, you know, we talk about things like neighborhood dinner. We talk about, of course, this gathering, right? And the block party that's coming up and trunk or treat in the fall. And of course, we're going to be hosting some, some kids during Metro Kids in July and all good things, good things if the atmosphere isn't there then they are not good things. <laughs> they, they, won't, they won't bear the fruit that good things would bear. And, and, and I am 
perhaps more so challenged than anything else. Um, and and I hope that I hope that we are as well learning from learning from Jesus's hometown. Um, something that I'm going to be a little bit more tuned to and and join me in this as well as you continue to have your chair time as you continue to to have these discussions throughout this series and as we continue to figure out what it looks like to be almost a one-year-old church. Let's figure out what this whole atmosphere thing looks like. Um, if, if in your discussion, if you got to question four, what can we do as individuals? What can we do as a church? If there's something, please share it with me. Shoot me a text, email, grab me after service today because let's, let's figure this out. Let's explore this and let's, let's see perhaps what God would do amongst us if we put our little out, maybe it'll catch fire. Um, so in that spirit, I would invite Tom and Desiree. They're going to lead us in, in one final song. And man, this, this moment of response, I, I hope it's meaningful for you today. We be sure every single time that we gather that we have an opportunity to respond to the things that we've discussed, that we've heard about, that we've prayed about, sung about and things like that. And of course, today is no different. And we do exactly what Jesus instructed his disciples to do. What Jesus did is, is he took two ordinary things and he applied extraordinary meaning to them. And of course he does, because that's what Jesus does with us, is he takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things with them. Of course, he does the same with bread and he does the same with the cup. And he says, from now on, he says this to his disciples the first time, um, from now on, as you get together, as you talk about me, as you talk about Jesus, consider bread from now on when it breaks. Consider my body, Jesus is saying, consider my body broken for you. And when you consider the cup, consider my blood. Jesus says, consider my blood poured out for you. And of course, what he's doing is he's bringing about imagery that reminds us of the cross and not three days go by before the tomb is empty. These things that are made possible because of what he has done for us, this extravagant gift of love that God extends to his creation. And, of, and the gift is not lost on us. We believe his Holy Spirit is with us as well. And so we do the same. We, we come together around this table, around this meal, and we consider the broken bread and the cup now made extraordinary, remembering what he has done for us. Remembering maybe what he did for us last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago. I don't, I don't know how far back you need to go to remember what he has done. But we don't stop there. We, we also make decisions and we make preparations to realign our lives to a place that he might be calling us. Believing his spirit is among us means that his spirit very well may be prompting us to, to say yes or no to something, to, to do this or to do that. And this is that moment where we can say, I remember, I receive this gift, and I make the decision to realign myself around the tenets of the good news, around the promise and hope of restoration. So, however the Spirit has met you this morning, um, 
it's, it's our intention that in the moments to follow, you would have an opportunity to respond. Each and every one of you in just a moment are going to be welcome to, to receive this meal, to take a piece of the bread, to dip it into the juice. You can, you can eat it right away. You can take it back to your seat. You can kneel at these altars. These, aren't, these don't bite, you know? Um, if, you need to, if you need to lay something down, do it. Who's going who's gonna to care? Um, let's not let this moment be lost on us. So in that spirit, I would invite you to stand with me. Um, Lord, we ask that as we respond as a church, as we respond as a group and body of people, that you would draw near. We believe that you are speaking, that you have spoken, and that even in this moment you will speak. Give us ears to hear what you would say. Reveal to us in your grace what it would look like for us to create an atmosphere where you can move and where you can work and where you can heal. We want to hear from heaven this morning. So speak to us as we sing, as we come, enjoy this meal together. Would you be graceful and would you be present? In Jesus' name, amen. As Tom and Desiree sing, you're invited to come forward if you would choose and sing with them and pray together. God. Sing that again. 
We recognize your greatness that is among us by your spirit. We recognize that you can make new things that are old. You can bring restoration to dry land. You can bring healing to areas of brokenness. You can bring joy in the midst of sorrow. You can do these things. We believe you can do these things. So Lord, let, let Reachway Church be a place where there is an atmosphere where your spirit can move and to work. In Jesus' name, let this be so. Let somehow, some way, the coming and going from this particular block on Perry and Voris be evidence that your spirit dwells in the North Valley of Peoria, Illinois. Let this be so. Do something among us that we could never understand or expect or imagine. 